Therapy Chat Podcast, Episode 24. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's Laura Reagan, LCSWC, with today's episode. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Hi, this is Laura Reagan, your host for Therapy Chat. All of you trauma therapists in the audience, I want to tell you about a special offering. I'm creating a community for trauma therapists. Do you ever feel like you're climbing a mountain all alone, wishing you had someone to guide you? Working as a trauma therapist can feel overwhelming and affect us in so many ways. Gather with us for clinical case consultation, camaraderie, and support to combat the isolation. Join a group of fellow trauma professionals who will come together to share collective wisdom and effective strategies for working with clients, as well as help taking care of ourselves so we can continue to practice effectively and ethically for years to come. Registration opens soon, and to get the information, sign up by visiting my website at www.lauraregan.lcswc.com and click on Trauma Therapist Community. Hope to see you there. Hi, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about a topic which is really important for therapy professionals to be aware of, and it's something that also affects any first responder, whether you are a nurse, physician, firefighter, EMS, or anyone who works directly with people who are suffering. You're going to want to listen to this episode. I'm talking about vicarious trauma and secondary traumatic stress. So let me start off by telling you that yesterday I was in Connecticut and I had the privilege and honor to listen to a woman speak who is unbelievable. Her name is Laura Vandernoot Lipsky and she is the founder of the Trauma Stewardship Institute and author of the book, Trauma Stewardship. She was on a TED Talk that's had so far over 6 million views. She's amazing. And what is so amazing about her is that she has worked with survivors of trauma for over 20 years, and she's found a way to bring joy to this work and help other professionals perform their work joyfully. It's really unusual in the field of trauma. People who work with survivors of trauma are doing some really tough work. And 
it's a gift to be able to walk with someone through their recovery after experiencing traumatic events. Professionally, it's the highlight of my life. It's something that I feel so privileged to be able to participate in. But it does take a toll on us. Let me just back up a little bit and talk about what vicarious trauma, also known as secondary traumatic stress, is. Now, some people describe vicarious trauma and secondary traumatic stress as two different things. For the purpose of this episode, I'm just going to use those two terms interchangeably because what I'm referring to hearing about other people's traumatic experiences affects us. It also refers to how we are affected by intervening in traumatic situations where we are not the primary person affected by the trauma. So for example, if a police officer encounters a child who's been hurt, it wasn't you who was hurt, but you're there to help them and it affects you too. Therapists who work with survivors of trauma, we bear witness to our clients' stories. We may hear several horrifying stories throughout a given day, and we need to be aware that that has an impact on us too. When I started in this work, I thought that if I were strong and a good professional, I wouldn't be affected by hearing traumatic stories or seeing traumatic things. But that's silly. Everyone is affected in some way by experiencing or witnessing human suffering. The very empathy that we bring to our work, where we try to put ourselves into someone else's shoes and understand what that was like for them, is what makes it potentially harmful to us to hear those stories. So my message here is not that doing trauma work is a bad thing. In fact, it's such a very good thing. It's such an honorable thing. It's brave. It's important. I want to make the world a better place. And I know some people might laugh at that and say, get over yourself. But every person can do their part to make the world a better place. And the way that I try to do that is in my work with people who've experienced trauma. So now getting back to vicarious trauma and secondary traumatic stress. Repeated exposure to traumatic material takes a toll on people who do this work. So what can we do about it? Laura Vandernoot Lipsky yesterday in speaking to a group of professionals about her work with trauma stewardship talks about small ways that we can lessen the impact of hearing about traumatic experiences in our work. Now, if you remember in episode number 22, when I interviewed Ashley Davis Bush, author of Simple Self-Care for Therapists, she talked about micro self-care, small things that we can do throughout a day to increase our self-care that take minutes. And that's what Laura Vandernoot Lipsky is talking about too. She speaks about mindfully checking in with yourself throughout a day to find out how you're feeling, what's happening in your body, and having an intention about using positive coping methods like, am I numbing? And what Laura said is, it's not really a question of if you're numbing, it's how much are you numbing? Because we all do it, all humans. So if you look at it like that, and you just ask yourself, when am I numbing? Why am I numbing? How am I using numbing? I'll give you a great example. Facebook. I can get sucked into Facebook so easily for an hour. An hour of time is gone. And it's not like I did nothing because I'm interacting with people, but it's completely a way to avoid some unpleasant emotion, some uncomfortable feeling that I don't like that I'm having. Other ways that we can numb are eating. I have 
definitely struggled to overcome comfort eating when I feel stressed. So it's kind of like this quick thing. You feel anxious or sad. The feeling comes really quickly without much thought. You have some food in your hand and you're eating that to make that uncomfortable feeling go away. So what Laura Vandernoot Lipsky says is just notice it, be aware of it. Not if, but when you do it, try to offset it by doing something positive or make small changes in your life. Like asking yourself, can I spend less time numbing today? Let me try spending 10 minutes less on numbing. But one thing that Laura Vandernoot Lipsky really hit home with for me yesterday is when she was talking about taking time. She said 12 minutes to an hour, six days a week to move your body, break a sweat. So not just walking in the woods or the park, but running or, you know, using an elliptical, doing jumping jacks, push-ups, wind sprints. I mean, there's a million things you can do. Riding a bike, things that really get your heart rate up for at least 12 minutes, six days a week. And one of the things I struggle with is making time to work out. But she challenged us that if you can't do it, what are you doing that's getting in your way? And I knew right away, I make myself so busy that I don't give myself time to work out. But when I work out, I feel so great. And when I don't work out, I feel so crappy. And it's not about body image or weight loss. Emotionally, I feel great when I work out. In fact, every time I work out, I'm like, oh, I want to do that again soon. (laughs) But when I'm not working out regularly, if I work out for two days in a row, I'm like, I want to do this every day. But if I don't work out for two days in a row, I'm like, oh, working out is so hard. I can't make time for it. I'm just too busy, but I'm self-employed. I make my own schedule. So why am I shortchanging myself on something that is so good for my mind? Vicarious trauma and secondary traumatic stress are so insidious. Their effects usually aren't noticed until something dramatic happens. This might be that you feel exhausted and you can't get out of bed. You might be getting sick all the time. You might be feeling totally overwhelmed feeling stuck, filled with self-doubt, feeling numb. And I'm not talking about the numbing I mentioned earlier, where we're just avoiding our feelings in a moment. I'm talking about you don't feel feelings or the only feelings you feel are rage or despair, hopelessness. So we owe it to ourselves and to the people we help to take care of our vicarious trauma and secondary traumatic stress. So how can we do this? Well, as Laura Vandernoot Lipsky said, exercise 12 minutes or more, six days a week. I'm going to do that. I'm telling the world right now here on this podcast that I'm going to make time to work out at least 12 minutes, six days a week, starting with today. And I have a head start because I already went to the gym this morning. But it was that commitment I made to myself after hearing her talk yesterday that made me get out of bed and go take a kickboxing class this morning. And I felt so great. I was so glad I did it. When I was in the class, which was grueling, and I was watching that clock like a hawk, I said to myself, you know, time goes by, an hour can fly by when I'm on Facebook. This hour is 
going by slow. (laughs) But you know what? If I were sitting home and scrolling through Facebook for that hour, I didn't gain nearly as much from that, or I wouldn't gain nearly as much from that as I did from that hour at the gym. And I feel strong. I feel physically strong. I feel mentally strong. I feel emotionally strong. I think about the things I want to get done today and I'm like, yeah, I can do that. So starting with exercise, that's the first thing I'm going to do differently. So how can we take care of our vicarious trauma and secondary traumatic stress? How can we lessen the impact of hearing and seeing traumatic things that happen to other people in our work? Regular exercise. Another thing that comes with trauma is isolation. You know, it can be a nice thing to be like, I'm so proud that I do something that other people can't do. When you work with trauma, if you're an ICU nurse or someone who works with hospice care or therapist, we've all had that moment. You wake up in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh, did I do my notes? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore when you use therapy notes. Therapy notes makes it easy to write your notes, get them done quickly, but thoroughly. My group practice has used therapy notes for six years and everyone always finds it easy to use. But the best thing is if you do need help, you can call their customer service number and a person answers the phone. And anytime I've ever had to use it, which is maybe three times in the past six years, my issue has been resolved easily with a cheerful demeanor in 15 minutes or less. So I highly recommend Therapy Notes. And don't forget, go to therapynotes.com and use promo code chat to get two free months. Or someone who works in a sexual assault crisis center or domestic violence shelter, or someone who helps immigrants and refugees or works with children who've been abused. There's so many different ways that we can work with trauma, being a firefighter, police officer, nurse, doctor, so many ways. And when we do that work and you go to a party and you, you meet a new person and they ask, so what do you do? And you tell them and nine times out of 10, the reaction is, wow, I can't imagine doing that work. That's amazing. You're so brave. Or how do you do that? It seems like that would be really hard. And it is hard. And there's pride in being able to do that. There's pride in being able to be someone who turns toward someone who needs help instead of running away when there's something terrible happening. So in some ways, it removes us from everybody else because we do work that other people don't feel like they could do. And it can be isolating because other people don't understand what it's like to do this work. And when you're feeling really run down, it might seem I'm holding all these stories and I can't tell anyone about it because it's confidential, but I feel like nobody understands how I feel. It's almost like a parallel between what it feels like for the person who's experienced trauma. I work with people who've experienced usually childhood abuse, neglect, emotional neglect, not having their emotional needs met. And That is a great example of human suffering. Clients often say, I've never really talked about this with anyone because no one would understand. So when we have been affected by secondary traumatic stress, we feel like nobody will understand. No one wants to listen. 
And it can really be a barrier to us seeking help and connection when we're hurting from our work. But connection is one of the most healing remedies there is for the isolation of being affected by trauma. So I'm going to go over some of the signs of vicarious trauma so that everybody knows really what I'm talking about here. And if any of these affect you, and if you've been working with people who've experienced trauma for any length of time, you can bet that some of them will affect you. This came from the American Counseling Association fact sheet on vicarious trauma, and I'll have a link to this fact sheet in my show notes. Having difficulty talking about your feelings, feeling diminished joy towards things you once enjoyed, feeling trapped by your work, having a limited range of emotions, but anger and irritation are always present, having an exaggerated startle reflex, like just feeling jumpy, easily startled, intrusive thoughts of client stories, nightmares that are not your own trauma story, but something you've heard. Feelings of hopelessness, and that could be just hopelessness like, what's the point? Life sucks. Or that could be hopelessness in work like, why am I even trying? This problem is so big. Helping one person is just a drop of water in the ocean. I've said those exact words myself in the past before I understood the impact of vicarious trauma. Trouble sleeping, thinking, worrying about clients when you're not at work exhaustion, problems with intimacy in your intimate relationships. Are you withdrawing from your spouse or partner? Conflict with other staff? Gossiping at work? Poor quality work relationships? Avoiding working with clients who've experienced trauma? Feeling withdrawn and isolated from your colleagues? Feeling like you're the only one who cares about this issue and everyone else just is oblivious? Feeling impatient? overworking, apathy, questioning your worldview. So when you have a change in your worldview, like you used to see things as, you know, overall, people are good. The world is a safe place. And now you feel like there's so many bad people in the world. There's no way to prevent the danger that's inevitable. Feeling detached, poor self image, low job motivation, or over-involvement in work, perfectionism. So I imagine if you work with trauma, some of those things probably ring true. I know I have been affected by some of those, as I mentioned, at various points. And it's okay. It's the trauma. It's not you. But it's important for you to attend to it Because if you ignore the impact of trauma, it continues to affect you and it starts to affect your work with clients or whoever you help, whoever you work with. As I said, it's insidious and it starts to creep into other areas of your life and it can lead to burnout and burnout is a career ender. And that's tragic because we need people who care about helping. Together, we do make this world a better place. What I love about Laura Vandernoot Lipsky's work is that her perspective always holds on to hope. And so I feel like she's really a great living example of someone who works to 
offset the effects of doing trauma work so that she will be well and that she can work to make the world a better place. And we all can do that. So things that she talks about in her work that will make a difference are mindful presence, focusing on the breath. You can always use the breath to regulate yourself. So that's where you just take deep breaths. You can take a deep breath in, counting to five, and a deep breath out, counting to five. Just do that mindfully for one minute. Everybody has one minute. And with mindful presence, you're aware that we only have this moment. You don't have to worry about what's next or what was before. It's just this time right now. That's what we have in life. Then second point that she emphasizes is exercise. As I said before, 12 minutes to an hour of moving your body in a way that breaks a sweat. She also talks about how sitting is not good for your body. And so if you can have a stand-up desk, a walking desk, she didn't say this specifically, but I also think that sitting on an exercise ball instead of a chair is a nice way to have some movement in your body if you have to sit down. And for those of you who are therapists who are listening, we sit down all day long. And the third piece to overcoming the effects of vicarious trauma is connection. Cultivate connection. How do we do that? Well, for me, I think you start by connecting with yourself. And that's through mindful presence, emotional attunement to yourself. What am I feeling? And then once you're connected with yourself, you can connect with the people around you, your spouse, your children, if you have them, your friends. She also talks about doing things that enrich your life that don't have to do with your work. What do you love? I've been saying I was going to take a ceramics class and take horseback riding lessons for at least five years, and I haven't done it. So if I'm really walking my talk, then I should be doing those things. And I'm going to make an intention to bring those into my life because I know I want to do those things. I'm not promising you that I'm going to work out six days a week and take ceramics classes and horseback riding lessons every week too, because that's setting myself up for failure. But I'm going to make an intention that I'm going to find out about a ceramics class. Spring is coming. It's a good time to start horseback riding lessons. (laughs) You know, there's a lot of talk about the positive effects of being around horses. And that's why I want to do that. So you'll probably hear me talking in the future about how great it is to be around horses and how much I've gained from my horseback riding lessons. I hope so. So the four main points I'm going to make about how to overcome vicarious trauma are one, increase your mindful presence and focus on the breath. Two, increase your exercise. Do you think you can make time to work out 12 to 60 minutes, six times a week? Three, connection. Connection with yourself, your colleagues, your partner, your family, your friends. That's the opposite of isolation. It's very healing. And then the fourth thing is cultivating creativity and joy through those things that you love doing, things that really nurture your soul. 
spirituality can be part of that. Actually, I'm going to add, and this is definitely part of trauma stewardship, making meaning. For me, I hear a lot of stories of suffering, and some of them make me feel very sad. But I know that I have an impact in the individual's lives who I work with. And I know that how I live is my small slice of making the world a better place. By working with people who've been abused, it's what I can do to make a difference in the violence in the world that troubles me so much. By doing this podcast, I can talk to more people and I can share information that might help more people. So that's what it's all about. I mean, what is life? So I hope that by listening today, You've learned something more about vicarious trauma and secondary traumatic stress. Maybe you've begun to understand its impact on you, or maybe you've been able to set an intention for yourself about how you would like to attend to your own needs and make sure that you're addressing the impact of this important work we do. Stay tuned for me to talk about an opportunity for professional consultation for therapists to prevent or lessen the impact of vicarious trauma. I'll be talking more about that in the future. And I'll be telling you all about how great I feel with my six days per week of working out. Hopefully you found some inspiration here. Thanks for listening to Therapy Chat. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now, for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Thank you for listening to the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, visit Laura's website at www.lauraregan.lcswc.com.